this note card on my desk for like two weeks. I think today was going to be about growth areas, but wasn't it also about some of the best feedback we've received? Yeah, bundled up. You know, you get at times in your career, we all get feedback as part of review process or whatever, uh, sometimes solicited or part of a process or unsolicited where someone comes and says, hey, here's some feedback for you. And sometimes I got to tell you, I think in my head, you have no idea what you're talking about. You've missed the mark completely. But outwardly, I just say thank you. And then there's other times where it breaks my perception of reality. Like I, it's so prescient and so on the note, like on point and would have taken me years or a decade to figure out on my own. And it's just packaged up based on the wisdom of someone who's observed you in a situation and just has like this almost visceral reaction that manifests into an opinion that's really helpful to you. And and I've had that happen a few times in my career. And I, I think those are opportunities to take huge leaps. And then once you get feedback, the the next sort of three months are a bit of a stage, like everyone's watching to see how you take it, how you behave differently or not because of it. And then if you start to socialize, hey, here are the things I'm working on as a leader, which takes some vulnerability, there's risk there. But you get a lot of credit for doing that up front. And then it can help accelerate things as well. Yeah, the unsolicited feedback is often some of the hardest to accept and to take it with with a modicum of grace and even look, you know, look in it for truth. It doesn't, you know, someone, there was a quote that my friend Ross, who I've introduced you to, he used to say, people are entitled to their own opinions. They're not entitled to their own facts um, about a particular situation. And I've changed that in later years to say people are entitled to their own opinion. They're not entitled to be right. But there is a responsibility, I think, on my part to listen to what anybody has to say and reflect on, even if their feedback is incorrect, did I, is there something I did to lead them down that path? Is there, did I give an impression that I needed this feedback? It could just be straight out wrong. But I think it's always worth thinking it through thoroughly and as in an unbiased fashion as possible, even sharing it with somebody that I respect who knows me well to make sure that I'm seeing it. It is a gift. Feedback is a gift. <laughs> Making sure that I'm seeing it from, from all possible angles. I'm treating it with the respect that it's due. And I might learn something about myself, even if it wasn't feedback related, it might be, oh, a way that I present myself or a way that I came across that led someone to a conclusion, albeit the conclusion may have been wrong. But so there's always layers, I think, to unpack if one is willing to introspect. Definitely. And it's even more impactful, I think, when people on your team give you feedback who report to you. That takes a pretty high degree of trust and courage because history is filled with people who overreact and retaliate and all of those things against people they have role power over when they were told something they didn't like. It's one of the things I like the most about our culture is that it's not just feedback at all levels isn't just encouraged. It's just status quo. It's just, it's It's expected expected part of the process. And so there's, there aren't barriers to entry from that perspective. And it should make people not feel like they're going to be retaliated against. In fact, if they didn't provide any meaningful feedback, they would be more likely to be questioned for why didn't you think this through, I think. 
I've, I've been part of unhealthy cultures. I was, uh, I won't name this particular client that I was at, a financial services client that I was at a number of years ago as a consultant. And that it was also part of their culture to give very public feedback, but it was done in a very unhealthy way, like a very aggressive two by four to the face <laughs> approach, looking for the flaw in the process and or looking for the flaw in the person. And usually the intent was to find the flaw in the person so that you could work it out. But there's so much damage that can be done in that sort of environment. And even the way it, it was structured by logging it and having public meetings to discuss someone's mistakes, it was a very, although it was done to their face, which I think is a good practice, that was the only part of it I thought was a good practice. It was, it, otherwise it was pretty, pretty difficult. It uh, didn't really lend people to forming teams, which is unfortunate, but it was a staple in their culture. Yeah, that sounds pretty exhausting. It was exhausting. My brain just kind of clicked on it. Do you get the same treatment when you do something well in that environment? Like if you make a great investment decision or you have a really effective meeting and help someone work through a difficult problem, if you demonstrate something, some excellence, does that get publicly broadcast as well? So it gets publicly broadcast, but there isn't several hour long meetings to dissect the space and what happened and what led you to make the right decision or what led what were the contributing factors that got you to making a good decision that doesn't happen so the the positive angle of a retrospective doesn't happen they only did the what they called a drill down they only did a a drill down on something that was negative that's a good question i'll raise my leadership yellow card and maybe fully acknowledging that you said financial services firm so everyone there probably their net worth is 10 or 20 times mine. But I'll say it as a Monday morning quarterback, not knowing any of the other details. When we experience moments in our life that are worth living, it is in observation of, this is personal and professional, in observation of people demonstrating excellence, not mediocrity, not failure. We get a kick out of someone not getting grilled by Mark Cuban on Shark Tank or whatever, like fine. But the, the times in life that are people are achieving their fullest potential or have a really masterful performance, it's, a, it's inspiring, it, it adds flavor to life, all of those things. And that's when we succeed at work, when we think about our growth is really achieved when you get the exponential curve, doubling down on strengths, right? Over time, you have to shore up weaknesses, obviously, when they're detracting when they're so bad, that takes away from, undoes all of your strengths and puts you in debt somehow. But most of the time, you know, all of the goodness in life comes out of these leaps from manifesting strengths. And so that's a little bit disappointing. Like you, I'm fine with you providing direct public feedback or whatever about me, but you better give me credit when I do a really good job. And then I can say, hey, I hit lots of home runs and every now and then I strike out. Let's put that in perspective. Like we just won the World Series here. Calm down. So, man, that's, that's, that's disappointing. I feel like that's a big miss in the system from a bunch yeah. of smart people. I think it is. I think it is. And it's, I had never thought of it before. And that was years ago, probably 10 years ago, I was consulting there. And I, I'm amazed that I never thought of it that way before. Like There isn't the same, clearly not the same emphasis. But somewhere in my brain, I did register the, the, some goods and bads there because then in some of the, the other discussions we've had, talking about my own rules of engagement, there are two complementary ones there, one around talking to one another, not about one another. That's clearly about feedback. But the other is that we, we fail together and succeed together. So you can't really only 
you can't master just one and then not the other by not celebrating individual and group successes. So I'd like to say that I intentionally orchestrated that. I didn't, I didn't completely though. It must have been something subconscious in me remembering <laughs> that there were never, there were never successes celebrated really other than like an email that went out. Not even that. Sometimes something just like logged in a, in a record that then you could go read them. Yeah. We talk about code smells and delivering software. If you do something like, oh, that's an indication I need to dig because that's a, that's an anti-pattern. That's a worse practice. Like there, when you do this, bad things happen. So you, you can just start there if you want to improve any software system, like maybe you just start with the, the smells and there are tools that'll get you a head start on that. And so for me, that's an organizational smell, right? And, and normally it's the opposite, right? You have organizations where if constructive feedback is not given effectively, but you, <laughs> I guess we still don't celebrate success as a species, but that's a huge red flag. Like in, in my mind, I start to go to, oh, this is, you're just going to weaponize this system then. If there's no upside and there's only downside, like that's a game I really don't want to play. And I'm not sure how much you could pay me to participate in that game because I'm going to come home miserable and take it out on my friends and family all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's, there is something interesting and I, I, I haven't thought any more deeply about it than just to mention this, but there, there is something quite interesting about the, the way that agile retrospective processes is regularly applied. And this isn't to say that the process doesn't work. It's just to your point as a species, typically the way I see teams apply it is they get very quickly, they get through the stuff that worked. They get through the stuff that went really well in the sprint and then they move right on to the stuff that didn't work. And they and it's just like digging in there, which is good, but often it's not balanced with are there key things we're doing really well that we need to dig into? Why? How do we replicate them? more of that, they're almost stated as just like a bullet on a list. Yeah. And it's so funny because everyone has almost unanimously agreed. There's very rarely like disagreement on what went well. No, that's not a thing. And so everyone unanimously agrees, hey, these things went well. You might only be getting 20% of the benefit if you put some time and energy or whatever around like the top three things that went well. You could get some outsized returns, I think. Versus if you're trying to address something that's gone poorly, it might be out, uh, there might be like an onion to unpeel there and you may try to address it and in addressing it, make matters worse. Like history is filled with examples of that too. People try to tweak a system and it just goes haywire versus if you everybody can agree, hey, these things are going well, let's double down on those, double down on our strengths. And you know, people only like watching highlight reels or those kind of things. So I'd much rather have a career filled with memories of team success and that kind of thing versus, hey, I, I really really stuck it to Tiffany the other day because she messed up and I made sure everyone knew about it. That sounds yeah. horrible. Yeah. Oh, go oh, ahead. Okay. Nope, you go. Has, has there been so a couple of times you can think of when you've been, that were really, really instrumental in bringing you to this point of leadership in your career, solicited or unsolicited feedback that still resonates with you? Yeah. So d did you know Sean in Dallas? He's a VP in Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when Sean joined the firm, I was, the first time I met him, I was, we were in these review sessions. So at the time, Dallas was getting so big, the way we had a lot of people in these sort of semi-annual review sessions, which means you, you do reviews every quarter because you have some people Q1, Q3, others Q2, Q4, lots of reviews every quarter, committee type approach. It, it's very process oriented, but it's like 
the investment in my mind, the way we do it, it, it's worth it. Like some things you just have to put some effort to scale, but the benefits you get are worth it. There's 20 people. We have so many people in the review sessions that, and so many going on at the same time that there's no room in the office. So we're actually at a hotel, like conference room. And so we finish up, it's all day and do a little happy hour at the end of the day. So on this sort of rooftop bar and Sean comes up to me, we're making small talk, having conversation. First, like legit conversation I'm having with the guy. And he goes, hey, uh, Robert, do you want to know what your problem is? And I go, uh, yeah, like I, I, I do. Sure, tell me what my problem is. And he goes, you have all the right answers and you, you don't ever ask any questions. He goes, as you grow your career, you're on this rocket, you're going to run out of fuel until you can learn to ask the right questions. And I don't remember anything else about the conversation except my response, which was, okay, how do I do that? I made sure I asked him a question, but that was, I was <laughs> thinking, man, that, that took some, and he's right. He's totally right. If you've known me long enough, you know, that I have some less than effective wiring from early on in my career of always having to have the right answer and fixing the bug and, and doing the smart thing. It's hard to unwind that later when you get into a leadership position. And so he was, he was totally right. And then you fast forward a few years and we end up working together on the same client. And he came to me and said, hey, you're, I need your help with this presentation. You're really good at slides. I need you to own this thing. And, and I trust you to do it. It's like a very big deal. We're justifying the big spend that we get every year for this large client. This has to go well. You own the content. And he had built up this trust with me, giving me this positive feed or positive and negative feedback, but really context rich feedback over time that I was one, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'll walk over hot coals for you. And, and two, when you come to me and you say, hey, you're good at this, I believe you. And I'm, it makes me want to prove you right. And so that's situations where I got constructive feedback to build trust. And it was really helpful in one of those aha moments. And then two, when it really mattered later, it was affirming in the value that I brought to the team. So that's just one example that popped into my mind when we started the conversation. It's a good one. That's a really good one. And kudos to him for having the guts and the interest in you to do that without really knowing you. Sean's in um, my top you know, five of people who've had the most impact on my career. Nice. That's great. Yeah, what about That's you? Great. Different, I can think of different times throughout my career and not always by people I respected, actually. You didn't really know Sean then, but even people who might have been like in leadership over me at the time and I just didn't, I didn't maybe have respect for how they comported themselves or were the way that they treated other people. Some people can be great at their job and not be awesome people. But I have, I've, I had to learn how to receive feedback and compartmentalize there. And I certainly received quite a bit of fits and starts of feedback throughout my career of believing in yourself, being confident enough in yourself and picking my own path was a big one because I have a, a psych background and a music background and all these variety of things that actually don't have anything to do with technology. And I don't have an MBA that there were times when people would look at me and say, what are you doing in IT? What are you doing on an executive path? Even though I was very much enjoying it. And I do remember getting feedback early on at, at some different times around, stop trying to pick essentially CDPs like we have here, but in, in another life, stop trying to pick personal improvements that you think are just a variety of what other people are doing or what people, what you, the pieces that you need for your career. There are some basics, but pick, 
pave your own path, be true to your own strengths and look for ways to use those and be of service. It's hard to, to pinpoint one specific time. I do remember one conversation like that, but it was more like that theme would come up from time to time of your fi- find your own way and don't be embarrassed of the things that make you different. That was one kind of theme. And then another one was something that happens to a lot of very driven people uh, like us are very people who've been rewarded for being outspoken in one way or another. Another one that was very hard to process was learning the art of seeking to understand, of just being like being silent first, asking lots of questions, making no assumptions. And it took me actually getting out of American culture to be able to learn that one, to get into a different culture and find that a lot of the Americanisms of being outspoken and very forward or driven, they weren't always the right way to build a relationship. You could build much more trust by listening, asking lots of questions, observing nuances of the culture around you and trying to really understand that before bringing ideas and suggestions, even as a, just as a consultant. That was probably the most game-changing feedback I got in my whole career. Excellent. It's funny how sometimes I think these observations that are shared, I know thought is put into them. You get the benefit of sort of experience and and wisdom and, and those kind of things, but in a third party perspective. But also like the people that give us this feedback that really resonates and hits really hard. I'm not sure that they think about like right before you they give it so this can change their life. You know what I mean? It's so funny. It's there's no it's like the collection of these career conversations compounded over time are where the the real growth happens. But every now and then it's there's one that or two that stick out and you just remember for decades, it's it's crazy to think about how that works. Yeah. Yeah. The not the sheer number of conversations that one has and and what the likelihood would be that there would be something that would really stick out. So I wanted to share a hack with you, which I, I mentioned before and, and you seemed interested in it. So I figured we could hash it out on the air here. A, a way to get the team involved in the discussion around growth and to give you as a leader a, a way to share what you're working on and give the team collective permission to hold you accountable to it. And it doesn't always work that way. These little things might give you an edge or increase your batting average here. So we, we have at our firm, the CDP's career development plan or points, right? There's three, two to three you get on a review. I've had four at times, which is I don't think is a good thing. But every six months you get three. And here's the three things that you need to work on next. Some of them are forward-looking based on your career growth. You need to start getting exposure to this. Some some are corrective. So there's the strength, doubling down on your strengths, showing up your soft spots kind of thing. And one of the people on our team, this was the first time I'd done it, organized a CDP, what are you working on in your career? We all have them, a sharing session. So we got in a in on a Zoom call and everyone would go around, take turns if they wanted to. That was a completely optional meeting. Show the part of their review where the CDPs are. And hey, there. here's the three things I'm working on. And someone else may say, I'm working on the same thing. Mine was worded this way. And it gave me an opportunity to say, hey, here's what I'm working on. And here's what that means. And the first time I shared, my three CDPs were basically the same thing worded differently three times because <laughs> it was like hyper important for that point, which was like, hey, you're at a career transition. You need to manage it 
really well. You need to be very careful right now. And you need to be careful internally with your peer group. You need to be careful with the people that report to you. You need to be careful with your clients. It was like <laughs> those three things, the same thing, like three different lenses. And so I shared like, hey, this is the career journey I'm on here, the things I'm working on here, the things I'm trying to be careful of, those types of deals. And, and so it was, a, it was a nice like discussion. And the cool thing is that I did not expect is someone from the team would share a growth area and someone else would chime in with some advice or some thoughts or some color commentary. And by the time the second one rolls around, I'm just sitting back and it's like this discussion that's happening. It was really cool to see. And I think that only works though if your team, someone on the team organizes it. And I think this would work anywhere though. Like it doesn't have to be our firm where things are so formal from a review standpoint. But I think someone on the team has to organize it. And maybe as a leader, you can nudge the right person, but it's probably not right for you to set up. And then you should probably share yours early and then sit back and let the goodness happen. And then there's always stuff. When people more junior than you are talking about their career growth, there's always something to say. So if things get a little stale or quiet, there's always something to chime in on. But I thought that was like a really great positive thing. And I'm bummed I haven't known about it for 10 or more years, but it's something (laughs) that I'm going to work into. That's great. What was the structure? Was it like your whole development team? Was it a subset of of the the project team in any way? Or is there any other relationship to that group of people? It was, you could think of it like, yeah, the development team. So a development team, which we have. So our, we may have a client with 60 people on it, but that's really a dozen projects of small teams. And so this was one of those teams, which I think is right. You wouldn't want to make it too large. And that's like a self-sustaining growth thing. And if some teams want to do it and some teams don't, like it's, I definitely think there's benefit, but you don't have to make it some formal, large organization-wide deal. Like the smallest unit besides the individual would be like the team they're on. That's probably the right level. And they're all experiencing life together anyway. So there you go. Cool hack I wish I knew about forever ago. I, I like it. I'm trying something that is, is new to me here. I am I've set up a, a meeting with my whole mentor-mentee tree. So the people that I mentor directly and then the people they mentor and the people they mentor down every cohort level. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. I've got it coming up in a few weeks. And I wonder about this idea for that, about proposing sharing CDPs. That's that's another good way to slice things because everybody in the room, their review is being written by someone else in the room. And and they're not all in the same projects. They're on like different clients nationally, like all sorts. You get a lot of depth in level and then in, in breadth in like the experiences that, that people have and what they're working on. So that could lead to some really rich discussion. Yeah, that'd be, if, if you think it would work, that would be fun. And I, I just certainly don't mind letting people know in advance and even sharing my own in advance. You, you'd probably want to have some people teed up, right? Yeah. If, it's, if the group is large enough, that's, no one's volunteering, like you're up, that kind of thing. It's just occurred to me, though, that you could not ever, I don't think, do something like this in an unhealthy culture. Because everything we talk about, you and I, uh, around trust goes back to an, like fertile soil or bad soil for something like trust to grow. And we do have a very healthy culture here. I'm trying to imagine in places I've worked before, places that I've consulted for a long time, because you get to know those cultures too. Many of them didn't even have real career development plans for people of any kind. And even if they did, it was always a very hierarchical 
thing, your boss gives you this, this set of things to do and to weigh in on, and you don't really get to change them. So weigh in is a little bit of a little bit of a facade, but you're given this, these set of things to do. I can't imagine bringing a group of people together and talking openly and safely about here's what I'm working on right now. You might, have, you might as well send somebody to group therapy. Here's what I'm <laughs> struggling with today. Because yeah. it, it wouldn't be safe. It wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't, it just, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think all these pieces have to, they have to uh, enable one another. If you don't have a culture that encourages and a culture that sets one up for safety and trust, then you couldn't even share these kinds of ideas with one another. Yeah, I'm thinking about my first job out of college, which was exceptional work. Very interesting, like hardcore engineering, very cool stuff. Culture was terrible. This was like the sort of force rank system, like lots of just bizarre things happening. And I had a group of friends, like I considered them more friends than colleagues at the time. We'd go out to lunch like every day and we would find ourselves in career and work type discussions. There's the general like complaining and bantering and all that stuff, but there were like material hey, I think I'm going up for this promotion or I might transfer to this other group. It was very, people stayed there a long time and would move around laterally. And so we, we would have those discussions, just not really formally or intentionally, which, so maybe if you're a leader, you can certainly do this with your team and just keep it at that sort of atomic unit. And if what, no matter what position you're in, you have your group of sort of work friends. Those are the ones that can make or break your sort of job satisfaction. And that maybe there's a sort of almost like mastermind group or something you could put together that and just try it out and see. I bet you'd find some takers in any organization, but that may just be my late in the day optimism talking. Who knows? I think you would find some takers in any organization and it would have to be informal. And then I would wager that if you looked for that same group of people in five years, none of them would be there. But then how awesome is that though? You've all grown together. You forged this bond. There, there could be, hey, oh, we're looking for a director of infrastructure. I worked with this guy at my last job who was really good and, and you can trust him. And so I don't know, like that seems like a good thing. It seems like it's certainly a good thing for those individuals in the organization. Not such a good thing for the organization. Oh, that's true. Losing them. Like, I'm, They're going to lose them anyway. It's funny. Yes. It's funny that you, you went way back in your career. I did the same. I went to my very first job. I mean, I was thinking like this, that culture would, it would have been a small group of friends that would have even been comfortable talking like that and taking a risk on each other and not a single one of them still works there. Yeah. Which is unfortunate (laughs) for that organization. Yeah. As healthy as our culture is, I have that here too, where there are three, four people I would call and talk through like a tough situation like that. And you get that unfiltered view. And these things are, they're not quite the same as what we were talking about before, but it could certainly, that group can play multiple roles. And I think if you just put some intentionality around it, then you could get almost the same benefit. Yep. Yep. It's a good one. I think there's also some benefit to getting different kinds of people in a group because you'd get a variety of feedback um, and ideas, actually, ideas for working on your own areas of improvement. As opposed to if it was just a set of peers, you might find too many people struggling or needing to improve on the same thing and not really anyone knowing how specifically. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. 
think it's stuck. Yeah. So there you go. Sharing your growth areas as a leader is a positive thing, but it's an act of vulnerability. And so sometimes, sometimes those don't work out well, but I think you got to do it anyway. And there's a way that makes sense for you and your team. And hopefully this, these thoughts and ideas have, have helped. It's certainly helpful to talk through them. This is not like we had the idea. I had some notes on my note card, but I think we got a, a layer deeper than I was expecting, which is always cool. Yeah, for me too. This is uh, it's also fun for me to reflect back on those those moments where someone has really said something to me that resonated, even if it hurt to hear it. It resonated deeply with me, and then was very instrumental in 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 getting me to a very happy place at this point in my career. I think one thing I didn't mention when I was giving you my two kind of pillar examples of pave your own path and then really learn how to be still and seek to understand and listen. Those were directly related to one another, although they were eight or nine years apart, because had I not been willing to pave my own, to actually accept that feedback and pave my own path. And it was a lonely path at times working in an IT company and not having the same background as other people. If I had not been willing to do that, I wouldn't have found myself in another culture, in another country, in another, in that crazy opportunity that that allowed me to have this, receive that other feedback then that became an epiphany and was quite life-changing. So there was some connection. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, it was great chatting with you today. You too. Thank you. Have a good one. We'll see you next week. Bye.